welcome to The Body Talks. In this episode, I voice my essay, Body Lines, a rumination on the intersection of status quo beauty standards and my body with the support of radical modern thinkers Dr. Devon Price and their book, Laziness Does Not Exist, and Sonia Renee Taylor's book, astounding book, The Body Is Not An Apology. Please like or subscribe and subscribe to the podcast and that way more people can find the show and we can start that conversation. Connect with me on Instagram at rachel.biffin, R-A-C-H-E-L dot B-I-F-F-I-N and I look forward to continuing the conversation. of you have heard your mother or grandmother say, I'll just put my face on when they're getting ready to go out. In a 2021 episode of Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, they discuss beauty and how men can just walk around with their faces as is and get on with it. Whereas women are pressured to spend the extra time, money and effort putting on makeup and nice clothes in order to feel they're at the same point of facing the world and getting on with the work. While they're doing that, men are getting ahead. How many processes do you feel you have to undertake, like putting on makeup or stylish clothes, before you can get on with it or get to work? With all the time on Zoom this last couple of years, who looks at their face in the screen and adjusts it to show the appearance of interest, willingness, kindness, care, etc., when actually we might feel tired, bored, distracted, thinking about your next meal? I know I put on the likable face, the I'll make you feel comfortable no matter what is actually going on face all the time. Why isn't a woman's face as is acceptable. That is, the face looking up from a period of intense concentration at the computer, a face cooking, a face listening. It's a huge question, but one I can partly answer with what I call the commodified body, and I'll link to the episode where I outline this framing, which asks women to change, adapt, and perform a face that is anything but as is. I like to present well like most people. God knows I've had a lifetime of presenting well. The pressure and perfectionism culture is bone deep. The culture 100% supports presenting well. And by presenting well, I mean trim, taut and terrific with great skin tone, lovely clothes, lovely hair, subtle makeup and straight white teeth. People say, you're beautiful as you are. Botox is silly, yada, yada, yada. Yet just a few days ago, I heard women in the park overheard, (laughs) talking about their doctor they've been to for years for lip filler and Botox and how their neighbour just looks better, in inverted commas, after injectables. There's a feeling that cosmetics and contour wear and makeup and hair are all in the same presenting well camp, you could say. Eavesdropping on these women in the park, my inner response is, oh, I should be doing this. Otherwise, I'm, quote, letting myself go, losing the game in mainstream beauty's eyes. I feel this sort of irksome, judgy, wobbly irritation listening to these women talk. The friction, I think, is this. 
On one side, there's the argument that if the body I was born with and the position of privilege I have lived in my whole life affords me the ability to do injectables, say, then to mainstream culture's eyes, why wouldn't I? Dr. Devon Price in Laziness Does Not Exist writes, if you believe your body needs to change, there are lots of options into which you can pour your money and a lot of businesses that are eager to feed your insecurities to keep that money flowing. On the other side, I still struggle daily accepting my changing body, its signs of age, its need to rest more often. And when I hear these women talk, I think, why don't I have what they're having, so to speak? As Sonia Renee Taylor writes in The Body Is Not An Apology, we humans are masters of distraction using makeup, weight loss, and a finely curated self-image to avoid being present to our fears, even as they build blockades around our most potent desires. I see this essay as a combination of a call-out, a rally cry, validation-seeking somewhat, and venting for my work trying to accept my body, that this acceptance and love, that's a work in progress, is the good fight. It is good for me and it's good for our culture. I know it's my work, but also the collective's work to change how we view, treat, work with and appreciate women's bodies. Thanks to the first, second and now third waves of feminism, women are having their struggles heard and rights taken seriously. Sonia Renee Taylor again. Making peace with your body is your mighty act of revolution. It is your contribution to a changed planet where we might all live unapologetically in the bodies we have. But the all-pervasive internet, social media and white patriarchal culture still dominating us is the reason I still struggle and I still hear conversations like this one in the park. The rub though, and what got me thinking in the first place was this, these women don't seem to be suffering or at least they weren't vocalising the friction I suffer every day. Is it that, like me for most of my life, they have literally embodied perfectionism culture, that they've mastered the performance so much that the status quo is them, it's the norm, it's deeply ingrained and they own it. And in the everydayness of a casual retelling of their latest lip enhancement procedure or whatever, comes a feeling of authority, an authority literally injected into their bodies. Sonia Renee Taylor again, we've been complicit, not out of malice, but because we have been groomed and raised in a system of racial injustice that has relied on our obliviousness and or apathy to maintain its uninterrupted operation. The strength of this culture scares me and I can see how easily binary thinking arises and cancel culture because one feels like batting it away in one oppositional swoop. (music) 
On the phone with a dear friend the other day in a moment of vulnerability, I complained about my cellulite and the struggle I was having coexisting with it and other physical gripes. And she, coming from a very similar deep history in the movement and wellness world, said, well, if you went to the gym two hours a day, restricted your eating and got cosmetic enhancements, you might get closer to your inner critic's ideal version of you. That version Audre Lord called the mythical norm. Dr. Devon Price says, in reality, many of the people who appear to be doing better than us on social media are simply curating their lives more. They're amplifying the glamour and downplaying all signs of struggle and pain. Unfortunately, this creates an arms race of flawlessness with more and more humanity being smoothed away until the only thing deemed acceptable is an unreal level of perfection. I still want to grow mentally, stay healthy and get stronger physically to keep pain and fatigue at bay. But pushing and forcing and pressuring and trying to be perfect in relation to my body is sadness incarnate. It's expensive time-wise, money-wise and quite frankly, so dull. Ironically, the pursuit takes away from my life. So I have to find another way. As is my way, as soon as I learn something, I want to share it. And so was recently talking to a friend in her 70s about my inner efforts trying to shed the toxic perfectionism in regards to how I eat, exercise and rest. I was extending my compassion to her, probably, but to be honest, in an attempt to embody them for myself. But to say, hey, you are enough. And that changing the cultural narrative of acceptance or comfort or delight or whatever we're going to call it around the body should, in my opinion, be available to any and all bodies. So in this conversation, I was extending that to her. But this idea seemed to bounce off an armour of 75 years of mainstream beauty standards. In my friend's quick response, well, what if I do that? and I'm still fat. Sonia Renee Taylor writes, Think of body shame like the layers of an onion. For decades in our own lives and for centuries in civilization, we have been taught to judge and shame our bodies and to consequently judge and shame others. Getting to our inherent state of radical self-love means peeling away those ancient toxic messages about our body. It is like returning the world's ugliest shame sweater back to the store where it was purchased and coming out wearing nothing but a birthday suit of radical self-love. Trying to move towards a feeling of liberation I have only recently taken up the practice of verbally expressing my discomfort when someone comments on my physical appearance. This practice is new to me as most of my life I've stayed silent, swallowing the comments only to wrestle with them internally later. This hasn't been easy. I'm met with a dismissive wave of the hand or a, you should be so lucky people notice your beauty or don't be so sensitive or don't overanalyze retorts. Sometimes even art and beauty are called upon. Their defense, oh, I'm just looking at the aesthetic of it, not you in particular. Like they're not holding me up to a standard of commercial beauty, okay, the commodified body standards, but to one found in art. So that's okay. It's somehow more credible and valid. 
I see no difference. Why? Because it's a human before you, not a piece of art or a commodified body. And a woman subjected to this overlay is stripped of their humanity, a walking contradiction of embodied vacancy. But sadly, it doesn't stop there. If a woman loses their cool, gets frustrated, it's their behaviour up for discussion, not the reason why they are upset. It's about the look of the woman talking or raising her voice, not what she's talking about. Hello, Julia Gillard, Peter Krenlin, Hillary Clinton, can we go on and on? We're constantly messaged it's women or other marginalised identities that have the problem, not a toxic culture or behaviour. Activist and advocate for survivors of sexual assault and 2021's Australian of the Year, Grace Thames' displeased and unsmiling face at the Prime Minister's morning tea recently was subject to days and days of news coverage. It was totally crazy. She was perfectly polite, impeccably dressed, went through with the photo ops, but still her unsmiling face made news, lots of news. It could have been that she was having a bad day and was just going through the paces, but it was in this case because she was unimpressed with the Prime Minister and didn't want to put on a fake face for the sake of keeping the status quo comfortable. So it's made into a news story, many news stories. Any chance of a commentator taking accountability or taking having some awareness floats away and we bob on the surface of superficiality. in dance, it was the line of one's body that was the most beautiful thing in inverted commas, to be accentuated. Costumes were predominantly created to accentuate the line of the body and fabric, texture, colour and the play of light played second fiddle to the body. And I see the last decade of activewear fashion promoting the same thing. Activewear rose out of the 80s fitness culture of buns and boobs and big hair But where it departs is before it was more costumey, a bit of fun, tongue-in-cheek and sexy, now it's stripped back, its body under control for society's gaze and approval. It's like nothing has changed, as Australian author Kaz Cook writes in a recent blog around her latest book titled, You're Doing It Wrong, A History of Bad and Bonkers Advice to Women. She points out corsets were used to cinch in the waist and hoist up bosoms. We've had rubber girdles, padded bras, cosmetic surgery, and then shapewear and digital filters and the alteration of photographs. Even my computer autocorrects me to place the words active and wear and shape and wear into nouns, active wear, all one word, and shapewear, all one word. On one hand, I'm carrying the baton for mainstream heteronormative beauty by way of my born into body and my fashion and styling decisions, yet my burgeoning feminist awareness, my desperate need to accept my body now after a lifetime of harsh inner and outer criticism, the truth of the matter that it doesn't matter exemplified to me every day by my three children running around and just being, 
my relationship with my husband, my friendships, that's proof that in air quotes, drop the mainstream beauty button, it will not only be okay, it will be living a rich life. In appreciation of this life experienced through this miraculous body, not in front of a manicured physique. I'll finish with Sonia Renee Taylor's invitation for radical reflection, as she calls it, in The Body is Not an Apology. Avoid meta-shame, which is shame for having so much shame. Take a breath of kindness for yourself and your history of body shame or shaming. We can only do what we know. As famed poet Maya Angelou says, when we know better, we do better. We can do better by giving ourselves more love. Thank you.